This episode is brought to you by RenegadePopCulture.com. Need an escape? So do we. Welcome to another episode of Buffy Verse and Converse. As always, I am Paul Casey, and I am absolutely delighted to be joined once again by two returning guests. Please welcome back to the show, Lisa and Amanda. Lisa and Amanda, how are you both doing this evening? Hi. Hello. Doing well this evening. Couldn't be better. I am very excited to have you both on um, for a variety of reasons for this particular episode. This is one, believe it or not, since I actually kind of formed the idea of doing this, um, I kind of thought this would be, no matter who I got, especially once sort of the, the, no pun intended, but the cast of characters that I had with regards to who often appears on these, um, I figured this would be a really fun one to do only because, uh, and and I don't want to give too much of anyone's personal information away that they're not willing to share, but I know I'm just going to speak generally amongst all of us that have sort of been on these, whether it be Amanda, Lisa, myself, my mother, uh, you know, uh, James, Bill, you know, Ryan, Kiona, you know, so on and so forth. We've all either gone through uh you know sort of parents not necessarily being together or we've uh experienced that through you know an aunt and uncle or you know something like that and then when you when that one of those people starts to date and you know it it sort of comes back around where now a new person is sort of introduced and i'll i'll say from from my own personal perspective i i i have no problem necessarily giving away too much about my own personal life as anyone who listens to any of my podcasts knows um uh you know when my parents split when i was very young um it was a little bit before i was introduced to my father's girlfriend and i didn't necessarily get along with her because I was still trying to process the concept of my parents not being together and things like that. And, um, you know, I, it was, it was difficult for me. And then later on, uh, I'm not saying my, I, that my mother didn't date, but she never necessarily brought like a guy around until I was probably in high school or so. And that's when I, uh, you know, it was, it was sort of, let's say a little bit more out in the open, you know, that she might be going on a date or, you know, she's gone out on a few dates with this guy and he's, you know, going to be going to something or we're all going to go out to dinner or what have you. And so it's a, it's a sort of weird thing, you know, and I feel like, um, buff, like this episode sort of 
does that in a, in a picture perfect way here. Uh, the Buffy episode, Ted, obviously, I don't remember if I said the name of the episode that we're discussing. Um, but I, I feel like, again, most of us or all of us that have sort of been on the podcast so far in some way, shape or form can sort of relate to this, you know, the, even, even I know, uh, you know, I, I previously dated a woman who had kids, you know, and, and I would like to hope that I wasn't nearly as, as bad as Ted, uh, was when it came to <laughs> some things. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it's especially when, you know, you're not necessarily the first person that that mom has dated or, you know, what have you. And you come around and, uh, you know, the, the, the woman that I dated, her kids were a lot younger, you know, so it wasn't even that they could necessarily express some things like Buffy could. You know, and obviously Buffy couldn't express a whole lot, you know, it, it, because, you know, she's in high school and, you know, you don't necessarily, even though she had a, a team of writers writing her dialogue, you know, you're, you're in high school and you don't know what you don't know. So you don't have, you know, right. the, the best vocabulary. You don't have all of the words to sort of I'm, I'm in my 30s and I don't always have the best words to say what I want to say sort of deal you know and so it's it's a little it's a little awkward and i'm not necessarily asking um either of you to necessarily give up more information than you want it's you know it's your lives i'm my twitter bio jokes that i'm exploiting my life and the lives of others but obviously that's a that's a joke <laughs> for the for the twitter bio but um you know i i would like to hear before I get into my uh, my fantastic facts. We're back to four only this time, by the way. Uh, that's uh, for those who listened to the previous double episode. Um, but uh, I, I'm I'm interested uh, just sort of on the basis of you know that concept of you know mom or dad or again it could be you know an aunt or uncle or something like that. Um, you know what are what are your thoughts, Lisa? I'll kick it to you first. Um, do you do you necessarily have any like preliminary thoughts on on this and maybe how you sort of related to this episode? Yeah, I mean, you know, my parents separated when I was 12. And so I believe my dad started dating someone less than a year later. Um, a lot of the contempt or bitterness that I guess you see in Buffy for me, it was more fueled by my mom. <laughs> so obviously Buffy doesn't have that other parents so present in her life, right. That he has any say in it. Um, but it was interesting to see Buffy kind of revert to this childlike behavior where, you know, she's a little passive aggressive. She's not really able to express herself, um, you know, being in high, being that I experienced this when I was 12 and Buffy's supposed to be 15 or 16 in high school now. Yeah. Um, I would think she would have been able to handle it a little bit more maturely. But then again, everybody, you know, develops differently and uh, learns how to express themselves at different rates. So it was interesting to see how childlike she became, you know, obviously prior to everything else in the episode happening, but just that initial reaction. Right. Uh, Amanda, again, I don't necessarily want to give away too much of your personal life that you're not willing to give away yourself. Um, but did you, again, just on sort of the topic of, you know, mom or, or dad, you know, obviously like, like Lisa said, she, for her, it was in real life, it was her dad, you know, but like sort of that sort of thing. Did you find that 
uh, whether it be the first time or, you know, any of the times because we know you rewatch this show on an almost daily basis. Uh, you know, how, how is, how did this episode sort of affect you based off of that? Um, I don't, I mean, it just seemed like for mom and dad, so like the way that they went to start the show. So it was like, um, to me, it was like, it's kind of fast. Like they're already, she's already catching them kissing in the kitchen, you know, like she wasn't seeing him or dating him, didn't know anything. Like Buffy had no idea about it. So for that to happen, like, I guess I would have been shocked too, but I would think, you know, just like Lisa said, honestly, with her age, you would have thought that she would have handled it a little bit more maturely. But I mean, I think it's just kind of a shock that she's still in that mindset where she still wants her parents to be together. Right. And I, I feel like that's, that's a thing, right? Like she even says later on, you know, when she's, when, when Buffy's talking with Angel, he's, he, I, I don't remember exactly how he asks it, but he makes some sort of comment, like, is there a guy that you would be okay with her, you know, with mom being with? And she says, my dad. And I remember, so uh, I was uh, a little bit younger than when my parents split than you were when, when you, when you said your parents split, Lisa. So I remember it took me a while. And I was, it's funny. I was just telling someone this story the other day, my parents, um, I always joke they're they're in, they're very good friends now you know like they and they've and they've always gotten along like obviously at first there was I don't want to necessarily use the word bitterness especially because if my mother ever listens to this she'll chastise me for using that word because I don't <laughs> think that's the case but um you know there was there was hurt feelings obviously right because like if you're mar- you know you get married to someone you have a kid you would think that that would be for life like that's you know part of the vows that most people have and you know whatever and so it's not necessarily that it was everything was was perfect between them um but you know i always joke that now they probably talk to each other more than i talk to either one of them and because they they get along very well with each other um and you know my mother always uh you know my like my father had had clothing at at our place and you know if he ever needed a place to stay and you know partially it was because she never wanted to give him the opportunity to say oh my son's mother I was I was in such desperate need and even my son's mother wouldn't let me you know whatever and you know that's that's part of what it was I you know I'll, I'll be honest that's what it was um but it was also the fact that that she you know, I'm not saying she was still in love with him, but she loved him. And I, I truly believe that he loves her. They're just not necessarily in love with each other. And it took me a little bit of time to to get that because even when they were split up, they would uh, they would go out like I would be off to school and they would like go out for lunch together. And we went to a, not to get too, too, too personal, but like, because I was having a difficult time with it, we ended up going to like a family therapist and things like that. And the therapist, I guess, kind of pulled them aside at one point and was like, you two don't act like you're apart. Like, is there any chance that you'll get back together? And they were like, no, no, no. Like things are, things are done between us, you know, in, in that way and, and whatever. 
And so um, it's it's to sort of tag up on the reason I, I say all of that is to sort of tag up on what on what Manda said a few years ago. Um, and I don't remember how exactly it got started, but like I was talking with with my dad about something and he made a comment and he goes, I don't know, because my dad and I, we're we're close with the relationship we have. We don't have the best relationship, but we have a much better relationship than we used to have. I can, I can guarantee you that. Um, and he said to me at one point, like we were just having a conversation, like we, I look at, I look at both of my parents really, but my dad more so as like my equal, as opposed to like my dad putting him up on a, on a pedestal. The MCU is ever expanding and if you didn't know, we have expanded an MCU and me, the podcast by Clock Shelves Entertainment, is now available on most of your major podcast platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Uh, so if you aren't already following us, or maybe you have some friends who are getting back into the MCU, maybe doing a deep dive uh, into some of the then Netflix shows like Daredevil, Jessica Jones, things like that, or maybe even they're catching up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, or they're just going back and watching all of the movies. Uh, every single pocket of the MCU, of course, is uh, being covered on MCU and me. So make sure to recommend that they check us out on their favorite podcast platform, uh, MCU and me, available from Clockshelves Entertainment. Um. And he, we were just talking about something and he said to me, he goes like, I don't know if you're one of those, those people who, you know, still holds out hope that, you know, mom and dad might get back together. I was like, oh God, no, like, no, no, no. Like that, you know, that went away many, many, many years ago, you know, and like to, to sort of, you know, tag up on, on what Mando was saying, like it is still fresh for Buffy, right? Because I believe the film and then the sort of the, the what they redid it as like a comic book to fit more in line with the TV series. I believe her parents are still together sort of at the end of that. So it is really like right before the series starts, basically between when she gets kicked out of that school in L.A. And then, you know, the fact that her and, and Joyce moved to Sunnydale, like pretty much that's what it what it was that's when it was i should say that that things you know kind of went south between them and um so it is still relatively fresh right because if we're if we're going to go based off of this being the actual timeline that it is so this i believe was the last episode to air in 1997 and season one was in march of 1997 so let's just arguably say that the beginning of the school year, two thousand or nineteen ninety six, to now December of nineteen ninety seven, mom and dad split. We move somewhere new, and then, you know, ne like by again Christmas ish, mom is already kissing somebody in the in the kitchen, and I didn't even necessarily know that she was dating. Like that is a lot to take in for anybody, let alone a teenager and, you know, all that sort of stuff like we were talking about. Does it ever say why the parents split? Is that ever discussed? I forget. I think that 
I don't think it's ever been like said of, I mean, we, yes. we, it has been discussed. It was? Yes, in future episodes, as she says, um, that like, um, they're arguing, her parents are arguing, um, basically because she was out late when she lived in LA. She's like, where, they were like, where were you? And you see like her parents are yelling at each other, they're fighting, they're yelling at her. And it's all because of her being out late and her like kind of misbehaving because they don't know what's going on. See, oh, just, so she feels like she was responsible. That's what I was gonna say. Was I wonder how yeah. much of that is is actually why, or how much of that is kind of her feeling like it's her fault? Because it would it would stand to reason, right? Based off of what we see at the beginning of the series, where you know, like one of the first conversations that that Joyce has with her when she's dropping her off at the school is like, you know, don't get kicked out this time, and you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's very much like you know all of that stuff is new and so it would it would stand to reason that she might think and i mean i I, i'm i'm gonna speak for myself i'm not gonna speak for anyone else but i feel like when you're young you kind of feel like selfishly like i i you know oh it's because of me is there anything i could have done yeah, is there anything I could have done if I would have just done this, that, or the other? Maybe mom and dad wouldn't be fighting all the time and and whatever. So I kind of wonder if part of that is her thinking that it's her. Because let's not forget, so in, and Lisa, I want to say you were on the episode, but I cannot be sure because it's been a little while. Were you on the episode in season one, the Nightmares episode? I don't believe so. Okay, because I remember we talked about the fact that that uh, when Buffy is sitting on the bench with her dad, it's probably the best performance, at least of season one, by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Because in that episode, for for those who may not remember, um, there's a kid who's having nightmares and basically the entire, at least the sort of radius of the school, if not the town. And like Giles, uh, his nightmare is that Buffy uh becomes a vampire um you know there's uh xander ends up punching the clown in the face at the end and want buffy uh i believe has a nightmare that she's buried alive and um i thought buffy was she was a vampire she turned into a vampire giles was buffy dies well i thought it was that she died and became a vampire but her, I know, the, but the big one that, that I remember from that is that Buffy's was that her father, because she was supposed to go with her father after school. And she, uh, basically, he comes and he talks to her and he gives her this whole speech about how, like, let's not keep playing this game. Um, you know, I have a, a new life that I'm that I'm building and you're not necessarily a part of it and you know all these other things that he he says these really really mean things and, and he tells her it's her fault right and he, yeah exactly he tells her that it's her fault and she cried and again and i'm i, I think I, I say i think it was probably if not in the in the, you know at least of that season very short season but at least of season one it's probably sarah michelle geller's best performance and this is a lot because I think very highly of her as an actress, but um, it's probably her best performance because she just has to sit there 
and listen to him you know her father say these horrible things and she you know she cries and and whatever and he just like gets up and walks away and so that leads me to think that because we saw that that is her nightmare that maybe that's part of what it is that it you know that that it was like her fault that that's why the parents split you know and if they did that 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 is the real reason that it was you know because of her and I would I would like to think that there were more uh you know more reasons than that but that's really terrible because like that is most right. kids fears and so for them to have be like yep that's the canon reason that her parents split actually is because of her is absolutely terrible <laughs> right yeah no I don't really think she was a reason I think that like they had other issues going on too but they were like kind of arguing about which best way to discipline her in the actions that she, like she was carrying out right uh so before we get further into the episode ted i'm going to go ahead and read my four yes as i said we're back to four fantastic facts for this episode uh number one giles and jenny have their first interaction since the dark age let's not forget that jenny now knows as she said more about giles um and so it was i like the character of Jenny Callender. I thought she was really good uh, for the character of Giles. Um, and she was really good because even though there was, you know... I wish she would have... I wish she would have there more. Yes. Um, I think it was good because she was kind of right at like an in-between age, right? She was young enough to kind of relate to the kids but still be an authority figure. And she was old enough that it made sense that, she, you know, her and, and Giles might be a thing. So um, I... I I don't necessarily like the fact that she was gone for the previous two episodes, the What's My Line parts one and two. Not that she was gone, but she wasn't necessarily there like with them and, and you know, like basically part of like the Scooby gang. Um, but I do obviously like the fact building upon the the character interactions and the story that her and Giles had a little bit of time away from each other to then build up to uh, give them uh, sort of their arc for for this episode. Uh, fantastic fact number two, John Ritter, who is, I believe, credited as a special guest star in this episode, um, has actually said that he specifically felt this episode helped him bond with his own stepdaughter and help understand her a little more. So I thought that was really cool. I believe one of the reasons that he took the job on this was because she was a fan. And um, I have definitely seen uh, different things where he based, I, I don't remember if it was a, an interview specifically or, or what have you, but I do definitely remember seeing things where he said that um, because he had a, I don't remember if she was a teenager or maybe like a tween or something at the time. Um, but, you know, he was kind of having a difficult time connecting with her as I would assume would be the case right and so kind of being on this episode and seeing you know ted and buffy sort of interact and you know getting into the 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 mindset of how a girl might react to you know a new man in in mom's life i, I remember him saying that he said that it, it helped him actually bond with her um this is ted. I'm, I'm assuming what you're talking about what's that this is the character of Ted, I assume you're talking uh, John, about? John Ritter, the guy who played him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to... <laughs> Sorry? 
from three, she said he's from Three's Company. Um, a lot of people also remember him from uh, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. That was the one that he was on when he passed away. I don't, I don't remember seeing him in anything prior to or after this, but I do want to say that his acting throughout the episode is really phenomenal. I'm, um, I'm, I'm not going to disagree. I think that's. Oh my I, god, he's like a classic. Though. That's what that's what I was about to say. Like, I'm very surprised, Lisa. There are yeah. a lot of things that you and I have a lot of like. Uh, I don't like to use this term often, but I will use it when it when it ta- comes to you and I, especially in comparison to a lot of our friend group. I feel like you and I are very much old souls. Hey guys, Kiona here. If you are interested in popular culture in all of its forms, whether that be movies, TV shows, video games, or music, please check us out at Renegade Pop Culture, found wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check out our past episodes at RenegadePopCulture.com. Need an escape? So do we. In comparison to a lot of our friend group, and I'm very surprised that you never watched Three's Company, Um, and I'm also kind of surprised that you, you never saw, I'm not saying you watched like religiously or anything but i'm also kind of surprised you never saw uh eight simple rules for dating my teenage daughter yeah no i mean i just i didn't grow up with three's company i i remember i watched full house growing up right right yeah no the other show i never even heard of i'm very surprised that was the show uh eight simple rules was uh kaylee kuoko who later went on to be uh, on the big bang theory um katie seagal actually played the mom yeah um, which is kind of why Katie Seagal played the played her mom on um, Big Bang Theory as well because she had already done it pr- uh, prior. Oh, um, but yeah. Well, I just want to say his acting is is phenomenal. I thought he did a you know I don't I didn't know who he was. I thought he did a great job because a lot of the guest stars, you know, or the guest villains we get on this show aren't always the best actors. <laughs> right. Um, now, for what it's worth, for anybody out there who who might go and look up three's company i'm giving it the seal of approval i think manda would agree it is very much not 2023 okay and what i mean no, by th- not. <laughs> everyone should have a mr roper <laughs> right what i mean by that is the the basic premise of the show is uh two girls live a, well they they live together and a guy is going to move in with them and the only way that the landlord will let that happen is if because he believes that the guy is gay because it was the seventies or eighties and you weren't allowed to have straight men and straight women living together. It was, it was a big thing because no hanky panky sort of deal. And so whenever Mr. Roper was around, John Ritter's character had to act gay, but in reality, he was quite the ladies man was sort of the, the 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 thing of his character. So it was it was if you can if you could appreciate it and witness the conversation we have about this show a lot, because you have uh, sort of the, the younger people like like James or, or Ryan, who they look back and they go, oh, my gosh, this is so terrible. This is clearly so 90s. And I'm not saying they can't because I think they can appreciate it for what it is. Obviously, you could tell this show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, isn't you know, even a 2000s or a a 2010s or 2020s show, but for watching it for what it is, they can appreciate it. So if you're somebody like that and you could appreciate what the show was for its time, I definitely think uh, Three's Company is a, a pretty good show to go back and have, have some laughs. Just going to throw that out there. Um. A fantastic fact number three: This episode was actually filmed during Halloween, 
As I said, it was the last one to air in 1997. So that would have been, again, around, but not actually uh, Christmas. Um, but this was actually filmed during Halloween. So the cast and crew actually came dressed up in costume. Uh, Christine Sutherland, who plays Joyce, actually wore 1950s clothing like Ted's first wife. Um, and Sarah Michelle Gellar was actually dressed as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. And my last fantastic fact from this episode is that Allison Hannigan actually counts this as her third favorite episode of the series to film, mostly due to getting to meet John Ritter, the guy we were just talking about who played Ted, and the fact that they got to film at a real mini golf course. So those are my my four fantastic facts uh, for this episode. Um but going back to sort of the the plot of the episode itself, uh, I feel like we kind of summed a good portion, not all of it up, of course. Um, but Buffy is out with her friends, uh, uh, Xander and Willow, and um, she hears a strange noise. And well, first she realizes that the front door is unlocked, which is very strange. And considering what just occurred um, at least in the, the most recent episodes, uh, specifically the Order of Taraka coming after her, which we find out that the hit has been called off. Uh, I believe she said Angel had some contacts that uh, let her know that the hit has been called off. But the fact that, you know, one of the, the folks got into her home and, um, you know, that... Giles even says it, so I don't think it's necessarily too, like, spoilery for me to say uh what is it Giles who says one of them says that the the leaders of the of the vampire group meaning Spike and Drusilla are seemingly dead um because they've been they you know they were well seemingly dead as of the last episode um so it's just the fact that her her front door is unlocked is a little strange she then finds uh her mom kissing a strange man and yeah, I mean, again, I can only speak from a guy's perspective, and like I said, it was it was my father who was dating, as far as I know, before my mother was, and and I was a little bit older when my mother did start dating. Um, but I would think that it would be a little awkward, especially because Buffy kind of kind of knows, right? Like she says in this episode, because jo uh, Joyce starts to say it. And Buffy, you know, kind of finishes the line of like, it's, you know, they, they're not pounding down the door to date single moms. They clearly haven't met me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, and then even later on, you know, uh, Joyce is post the the drama of the episode. Uh, Joyce is like, I want I want to watch a movie. Uh no horror, no love, no men, you know, whatever. And Buffy, you know, oh, Thelma and Louise, like, which clearly shows to me, at least, that, like, that's sort of their thing, right? Is they, like, these two, even for this short period of time from when mom and dad split till now, it's it's been the two of them, right? And I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not going to definitively compare it to this, but it almost gives me sort of a, a Gilmore Girls-esque sort of thing, right? Where it's like mother and daughter were in this together and now a guy has been introduced into the mix, uh, the character of, of Ted. And it's a little jarring 
for for Buffy to to deal with. Um, and you know, obviously Buffy feels a little bit off about him. One of the things, not to get too far ahead, one of the things that I love is like he's a very good, you know, uh, the, the character of, of Ted is, you know, he's a fantastic cook, chef, all of these things. And we find out later on that he's actually been drugging all of the food. I yes, just yes. I just love that that's like a thing that that he does like to blow everyone out. Right. <laughs> well, he's, and that's the thing he's like making everyone compliant so like they could be happy with him. Right. Which is, you know, it's very like I don't this episode freaks me out. <laughs> oh, you know what? And I, I love realized... her, but I'm freaked out by it. I just realized the reason why Buffy never like is like everybody else is because she refuses to eat the food. I literally just realized that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that you didn't. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why that just like didn't occur to me. Have a cookie. Yeah. Just like nope. (laughs) And that's actually because actually at one point, uh, so there's there's a few things like that. Uh, so it throughout the episode, um, uh, you know. Uh, he cooks them dinner and she says it looks good and he's like you know it's more than just looks you know and i'm a little lazy that's i was just about to say i know lisa's gonna go off on this so i don't want to necessarily say it too early but i'm gonna i'm gonna tee it up but i'm gonna go back to one other thing before i let you go on lisa but the fact that the constant (laughs) little lady pisses me off something awful um but uh the fact that there are certain things. So, uh, I mean, obviously, again, I've I've talked about it before. I like to think that this podcast is sort of a companion piece. You've watched the episode or you know the episode well enough. So if we say things, it's not like, oh, my gosh, it's a big spoiler for the episode. We find out later on that that Ted is a robot. And so there are several lines in the episode. And Lisa, I'm curious this time, because I believe we've talked about it before. This is your either second or third time rewatching the series. So I'm curious if you kind of picked up on some of these lines this time where he says things like, I'm not wired that way. Um, And, you know, like there's there's uh, his coworker refers to him as being like a machine. As you're listening to this, you are hearing Buffy Season 2. But did you know that over at Content Club right now, we are at least up to Buffy Season 3 discussion. That is right, the Season 3 discussion of Buffy the Vampire Slayer here on Buffyverse and Converse, as well as some bonus episodes that are exclusive to Content Club, which is where you can get these episodes early and uninterrupted, as well as episodes of Paul and all, MCU and me, and much more. Check it out right now, patreon.com slash clockshelves. Um, and you know, just little things like I think there's like two or three like kind of references where it's kind of hinting, and then when you go again to me at least when you go back and watch it, it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of funny, considering that he is a a oh, the other one that I uh it just popped in my head. Um, Joyce says, Oh, every house should come with one of you. Like a like a house, you know, robot sort of thing, um, like a so, Rosie from the Jetsons. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm I'm curious, Lisa, if if you kind of picked up on some of those this time when you were watching it through. I definitely picked up on that. Uh, one thing I was thinking throughout the episode, you know, even while he's eating and things like that, is that even though he's a robot, does he still have 
bodily functions like could like could he eat the I, I can't remember right now did he actually take bites of and swallow the food or like do we see him physically eating in the episode i believe we do um, yeah i believe we do so i i talked about this uh i believe an episode or two ago and i know that i i definitely commented i think i read the the quote uh, during the some assembly required episode because I'm I'm assuming that the the next question if Lisa's not going to ask it I'm sure somebody out there is sort of how did this how can he be a robot because obviously that would be more like a cyborg if we want to get technical but like you know did he have a stomach and things like that and so uh, I can't remember the exact quote I could pull it up um, but during the some assembly required episode the second episode of this season which is the Frankenstein's monster episode. Um, kid died, his, his brother and their friend put him back together, and then they were going to take Cordelia and basically make her into a Frankenstein's monster's bride. And one of the writers uh, of the show questioned, how is this possible? Like, how are these major technological advancements possible to high school kids or this man in right. the 50s and and what have you and and joss whedon basically said something to the effect of you're overthinking it it's the hell right. you know like the Hellmouth can can give us sort of whatever we want it to i uh, was just pointing it out because i just thought it was interesting that you no know, no no and i and I, I completely agree because like it is it is especially with the fact that like he is a row and and Willow even says later on, like, you know, he had the real Ted had to be a genius because he was able to never say what happened to him. Well, they said he was he was sick and dying, I believe. And that's like his wife left him. Exactly. But they never said that, like, he died himself. Like, Xander finds the four previous wives, but never finds his body. Right. So, like, was that robot part of him? and that's why he was able to eat that that's interesting that's something like that i just i mean now that we're bringing up and i've seen it a billion times i've seen these episodes billions of times that i just you know now i'm thinking about it it just kind of makes things well because i know like i'm a huge terminator fan and i know i guess you know no sport like you know i assume everyone's seen the terminators but the very last terminator movie they just made he basically shacks up with somebody and you know they ask him in the in the movie like well how do you guys like do stuff together you know basically asking like how do they you know have sex and he says it's not a physical relationship so i was just curious like like if that applied like obviously i assume joyce would have you know assumed something was off if that were to happen so i was just curious well yeah especially because we find out that like obviously because uh especially once he goes kind you know even more crazy i guess towards the end um he wants to sort of fast track everything right his co-worker already knows that in two months or whatever he's he's getting married and taking off for a honeymoon and you know all of these things so uh i it's i'm curious now like not that i necessarily want to think of like 
Joyce and robot sex, but like, I'm just curious <laughs> what, how would that, how would that wedding night have gone down? You know? <laughs> right. Right. Because obviously it didn't happen, you know, prior to everything else happening. Cause like, I'm, you know, she would have been like, well, what, what's going on? Uh, it just made me think, like, it just made me think back to Terminator and how they, cause they handled it well in the movie by him saying, you know, we don't have a physical relationship because obviously that would have blown his cover as a Terminator. Right. Um, here it's not really explained. I guess you're just supposed to assume they didn't. Right. Which is very nineties, not very twenty twenty-three. Right, right. <laughs> right. Um so yes, I am I am going to uh I'm sure we have much more that we want to talk about about the plot. I have one or two uh kind of funny lines or you know, little brief things. But I know, Lisa, we we kind of talked about this uh, before we started the episode and then even earlier uh, in the day when we were kind of texting about it. I know you have uh, quite a few things that you want to say. And so I'm going to now open the floor to you to air out all of your grievances, rightfully so, with this episode. So not so much grievances, um, just sad realities i guess you know talking about how the episode was very well done and that um which again makes me feel kind of angry because it's well done to a point where you think wow this was an issue not only 20 30 years ago but it's still an issue prevalent uh today so um you know the the, the scene with her in the police office uh, or detective's office really really made me feel a certain way because you know she talks about how ted attacked her and the detective goes well it doesn't look like he hit you very hard um and that's again it was so well done because i mean that is something that obviously happened a lot back then and it's still happening now where you know detectives and police officers are not believing the victims and so to see it be played out on tv and and this is something i didn't recognize my first watch through you know a decade ago because it wasn't as prevalent i guess like in media and people talking about it like they do now and so for them even 20 30 years ago to to put this on screen and recognize yeah like this is something that women and victims go through a lot and you know when having to deal with the police and having to deal with people not believing them about domestic abuse and and sexual abuse and um so it was just a really interesting scene it really i think highlights just an ongoing issue in society i would very much agree and i i want to point out um i again i like to think as as sort of the the curator of these uh how i would hope that the audience listens to these but if you're sort of skipping around, maybe picking and choosing your favorite episodes or, you know, oh, I didn't necessarily like this one or that one. Um, definitely go back, in my opinion, for a, a similar take to the uh, I, Robot, You, Jane episode, I want to say it was. of C- Is that the one from season one where we talked about, because again, I I want to say, Lisa, that you may have been on that one. Oh, uh, was that Willow and the online dating? It was. Yes. Yes, I was on that one. And we we kind of talked about how there were a lot of things. Obviously, the technology has changed, but how there were a lot of things that were 
relevant then that are still relevant now in a lot of ways. Yes, 100%. And so it's, 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 and this is one of those things, like I was saying before, you know, I said about Three's Company is, is, you know, like that show, you know, quote unquote, wouldn't work today or, you know, what have you, or even, um, you know, if, if we had uh, uh, Ryan or, or James on here to discuss it, we talk about, and if, I mean, even, even Bill, and I'm sure, you know, the three of us can admit there are sometimes we even, I said it uh, in the previous one where there was uh, like a gun in the school. Right. And I was like, oh, that right. it's, it's clearly so 90s pre, you know, a very, very tragic event in our country's history. One of my favorite things about recording any of the shows that I do, like MCU and Me or Lost with Friends or even back when we used to do Wrestling Renegades, is finding out little uh, details about the people that we have on. Uh, and sometimes in the middle of those conversations, you get some very interesting details about who the people are. And of course, we try to present you with who those people are across the various clock shelves, entertainment shows. And one of the best ways that we do that is on our show, Paul and all, um, it is where I sit down, uh, with various people from all over the world, as I always say, and I just talk with them. And I, the, you know, no topic is too small on our show, Paul and all, as our intro says. And I would love if you would go and check it out, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, of course, you can find the links across all of our social media. And, you know, you could help us grow that show as well, because sometimes it's fun talking with the Losties or the True Believers uh, about things that aren't necessarily Lost or Marvel or wrestling or what have you. Um, sometimes getting to know the people is what is the fun part for me. I am Paul. I am your voice of choice here at Clock Shelves Entertainment, and I host Paul and All. Go check it out. But it's, it's, in a way, it's kind of cool. But in a way, it's kind of sad and terrible that these things 25 years ago are still so relevant today. Right. You know, and like I said, that, that episode, I feel like we, we kind of, we, we talked about it from a different perspective, again, from like a technology and, and, you know, sort of thing if there. Um, but no, and I, I think that this episode, and I know that, uh, Lisa, I know you and I kind of talked about this uh, previously, how I, until all of the negative stuff came out about Joss Whedon, like to the forefront, because I think right. I think off mic, you and I have talked about how like there were whispers of things for years and, and so on. Right. But until a lot of it came out to the forefront, I've said this is my first time going back and watching this series since all of that. So there are certain things with regards to like the character of Xander, who I was never a big fan of, but especially considering that Joss Whedon has said that that character was sort of him in a way. Um, and how I think we talked about it in the season one finale, how like, oh, it was, you know, Buffy saves all of them, but it had to be a guy that saved her and the, and the, the nerdy geeky guy out of, you know, of, of everyone, and, you know, all those things. And I never necessarily picked up on some of that stuff. And that's my own naivete. And I fully admit that. And I, it, to me, you know, I, I, I like to think that I'm 
continuously growing as a person. But I feel like this episode sort of show does does one of the I don't think the, I don't even know if I want to say one of the best jobs, but I think it does a very, very good job of sort of showing that, you know, yes, it's Buffy is a, a badass and she's a female badass and, you know, all of these things, but how it. I don't want to just say like this episode shows men are bad and you know, whatever. Cause I, I right. don't necessarily think that's the only message to take away. Um, but I, I definitely think that it does show a lot of, uh, a lot of, I don't know if disparity is the right word that I'm thinking. Well, of. So if, if I could interject, uh, the power dynamics is really interesting the way it's shown here, right? Because we all know as the viewers, Buffy is obviously much stronger than normal five foot one teenage girl, right? She has these, you know, enhanced powers, whatever you want to call them and, and can fight and has the abilities and everything. And so we, as the viewers know that, but we have to remember, right? Ted, or the robot Ted, he just thinks that she's a teenage girl and he is physically assaulting her, right? So whether or not she ends up being this badass that we all know she is, right? He doesn't know that. So right. it's completely just abusing that power dynamic of I'm an older authority figure and I'm going to use that power to to hurt you. And we even see later in the episode that Buffy's kind of blaming herself. She's like, well, I know what my power is and I should have controlled myself. And it's like, yeah, but he didn't know. And if you didn't have the powers that you had, he might have killed you. And so really just talking about that power dynamic. And and I, again, that's one of the things that like now, and I'm not just saying because of all of the stuff that came out, but like now I look at this episode and I I... I'm not saying I didn't think about that before, but like my thing has always been, this is the first time and they talk about it. This is the first time that um, Buffy. It's the first time it's ever talked about that Buffy killed a human. Right. Cause Xander's immediate thought is like, well, what was he? Because he right. knows that she wouldn't do that. Willow knows that. Giles knows that. But for all intents and purposes, for a period of time in this episode, she, they, she killed a human, right? Like that's the emotions that they're all feeling and that we're feeling with them until the twist of, oh my gosh, she's back and he's actually a robot. Which, right. you know what I mean? Like, yes, me saying it that way gives no. a, a little bit of levity, but like, that's what we're feeling, right? We're feeling that along with her and and along with them, because we know that if push came to shove, Buffy wouldn't do that because it's, you know, that's, and I have to say, again, it's, it's, I, I, it doesn't paint myself in the best light, but I didn't necessarily always think about it in terms of this is an older man hitting a younger woman. Like, yes, obviously that's terrible, right? Like I could objectively say like, that's a terrible thing, but I didn't necessarily think of it in that way that you just explained it the first, probably two or three times that I watched this. And, and I really hope that maybe, you know, people will go back and, and watch this again. And, you know, there is much more to this episode 
uh, you know, I often I often talk I don't want to say talk bad about, but I often talk about the fact that like I like the more mythology episodes. This is very much like a monster of the week, a case of the week sort of thing. But right. what she feels based off of that for that brief period of time in the middle of the episode, I think that sticks with her for a very long time because she kind of puts it in check in her own mind of I know what I know what I'm capable of and I don't want to let myself get to that point again in terms of or a different kind of universe. She is not the law or the right you know what I mean? It's like regular civilians. They have police she's a police for something else. The worst part about, I think, this episode is realizing at the end when Xander says his four previous lives. So knowing that this was going on for four or more decades. That this man was feeding women drugs to make them compliant. You know, um, making them to how he wants them to be. And then if he doesn't, if they don't comply with how he wants, the way he reacts is what he did to Buffy. And I mean, I, I don't I don't remember if it was discussed. I don't think it was, but like were there were there other kids? Did these other women potentially have kids in these previous I decades? don't know and they they really didn't discuss that. But like the thing I mean you think about it and it's the sad thing is is that it was going on back then prior to him meeting Joyce. It's it's still going on now today. In, in today's society right so it's like it's a it's like a you say a monster of the week it's just kind of like a monster in general when you think about it people live like this and it's sad like that's a sad thing i think everyone can do with some some therapy yeah i, I love what you said amanda because you know even in the beginning of the episode with like I understand that they were under the influence of whatever was in the cookies and the food and everything. But like when Buffy was saying like, you know, that he verbally, um, you know, verbally threatened her and everyone's just kind of minimizing it around her. Right. Because he's so charismatic and he's so nice and he does so many things. You're overreacting. Oh, right. Joyce flat out tells her that he said no such thing. Right. Joyce flat out says the words. He said no such thing. Yeah, yeah, completely not believing her, minimizing it, um, invalidating her, and and like you said, Amanda, like that's happen that happens all the time. Is that when people try to to reach out for help, right, and say, well, this is what's happening, or this is what I'm going through, and people just kind of don't believe it because usually abusers are narcissistic and super charismatic and super manipulative. And so watching that play out in the episode, even though we learn later it's due to, you know, drugging, but that happens without drugs in our society on a daily basis. And that is also really sad. It's not like the monster of the week. It's it's just a monster in general. You're going back decades of all the wives that he had. Plus if he didn't get Joyce and he got someone else, he would have just kept going. And the fact that it still goes on and people still treat other human beings like that is crazy to me. Well, the the Lisa, your use of the of the word charismatic made me think, uh, and not to go down a completely different path, um, but there was an episode uh, earlier 
this season. And Lisa, I know, I, I think, you know, I love you, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad you weren't on the episode earlier in the season, the reptile boy episode, because I oh. know you would have had a whole lot to say. And I feel like that conversation would have went on for like seven hours. Uh, oh my God. I don't remember. Uh, be, that's uh, for, for anybody. That's the episode where um, the frat. Yeah. The fraternity is basically sacrificing women in their basement to this uh demon who then yeah who then gives the uh the like the the, you know there's there's ceos and and i remember james was like this is the this is the illuminati like that's what he was like this is the illuminati that's what this is and um at one point in the episode uh they've drugged buffy and cordelia and buffy i believe it's buffy's on the bed and one of the guys is like walking over to her and the guy who we think is supposed to be like the good guy in the episode up until this point he's like what are you doing you sicko and he the guy's like oh i was just gonna you know whatever and he goes no and you think he's about to save her and then really he just goes she's for the for our leader our overlord or whatever and it's we talked about that (laughs) say it again it was makita the one we serve yes and I remember it was uh, James and my mother and I discussed that one and we were talking about something very similar, how like that's something, again, that still goes on today. Yeah. In, obviously in a different way, like they're not necessarily, I mean, I would like to hope that they're not necessarily <laughs> sacrificing to a snake-like demon that exists in the dungeon in their basement. But... I wouldn't put a pet any man that I've spoken to <laughs> on the date, uh, but that's besides the point. Um, okay, thank you for clarifying on a dating app. Because <laughs> um, I know you, you've you met some real stinkers. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is yes. very, very sad. Because anybody listening out there, I'm not I'm not putting Lisa up. She's not up for, for auction or sale or anything. <laughs> she's really one of the best people that I've that I've ever met. And she's really a catch if there if 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 a catch exists, she's a catch. So well, thank um, you, Paul. Of course. Hey there, everyone. If you are listening to this particular discussion and you really like uh, this topic, head on over to Content Club right now where there is a special bonus episode of Buffyverse and Converse covering this same specific episode featuring a slightly different perspective, a few different people on it. And yeah, it's just a special bonus uh, because we figured this one was too big to not have more folks talking about it so we did a special bonus edition of this particular discussion head on over to content club right now uh for all of our clock holes and clock suckers at that particular tier you can get not only all of these episodes early and uninterrupted as usual we are a little ahead of where you're hearing it in the main feed but you'll get a bonus discussion on this episode and maybe some others as well so check it out right now over at content club for some bonus material um but uh yeah no it's just it it's it's so and i've said this to people and you know, you both have have seen this series in its entirety, and I, I tell people all the time, and I'm not to say that other episodes from other seasons can't be, you know, favorite episodes or that some of the storylines or whatever, but I really love 
seasons two and three. They're probably my two favorite seasons of the entire series. And I feel like one of the reasons is because it's sort of the core of the show. They're they're in high school and they're dealing with these things. You know, high school is hell. That's sort of the whole thing of the show and, and whatnot. But there are some of these episodes, especially looking back at it now, because it's been a few years since I've seen this, like I said, looking back at it now, how much some of these circumstances still relate. And it is 25 years later, and we can still talk about them. Some things have changed, some for the better, some not. But at the at the end of it, there are certain things that we can still take away from these episodes and say, how can I sort of use this to better myself in life? Or, you know, like what's, what's the lesson here, right? How can I, how can I, and we as a society potentially be better? And I think this episode uh, answers, not answers, but sets up some of those questions. Yeah. 100%. Bring I, in... I... Go ahead. Oh. Was that Amanda wanted to talk first? I don't know. No. I just I started talking. I thought I heard somebody. Else. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I I just wanted to say. Um, I'm not sure if you were gonna change course, but I do want to say this. It might be the only time on the entire podcast you will hear me say this. So listen closely. Um, Xander actually did something good in this episode. I actually liked Xander in this episode, which what? is, I, <laughs> you know what he he's one of the first people to actually defend Buffy once, you know, once he learns that she quote unquote killed a man, right? He's one of the first people to defend her and say, no, 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 this isn't adding up. We have to do something about this. He's one of the first ones to action to defend her, um, and I just really love that because, like I said, I. I don't think we see a lot of great qualities of Sander throughout the series. And this is something that really stood out to me. Like, wow, he really took that initiative to defend her and get to the bottom of what was happening. Cause I'm not sure if anyone else would have took, taken that initiative. So you brought, I was going to make a, like bring a, a, a joking line and, and bring it sort of back into the, the 21st century but you you shook me to my very core with you admitting that uh, i know i know i had to get it out it was like really weighing on me i was like you know what i just gotta be honest what'd you say amanda i said i love all the characters i love Peter. like i mean i understand like everything that happened with josh Eden, and it's not like i can join into that and i'm grateful that he thought about you know this Buffy verse um but I don't really think about him when I'm watching the show like these, these actors bring this show together for me and like, I, there's just stuff there's just stuff in the in the future and we'll, when we get to those episodes that Xander just really rubs me the wrong way it has nothing to do with him being uh, a characterization of Joss Whedon and I and I yeah. I agree with that as well. A lot of times, and and I've I've talked about this at length um, on other podcasts and things like that. I'm I am definitely a believer um, in you. I can maybe not everyone can, but I can definitely separate the art from the artist. Right. Um, and I know a lot of people can't. Right. Like I, I'm not to get not to get too way out into left field. 
but um, you both know I'm a fan of professional wrestling. There was a professional wrestler who did some horrific things. And I know a lot of people who have a very difficult time going back and watching some of his performances. And I completely understand that. I don't even have the 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 easiest time watching things because I, you know, every so often I'll look and go, oh, did did that hit? Is that, you know, did that contribute to the problems that he had with brain damage and, you know, things like that? And so I I do, I get it, where not a lot of people can separate the art from the artist. Um, I will also say that for me, it took a little bit of time for me to, especially once all of that stuff came out, again, publicly, um, it took a little bit, well, especially once a lot of the, the actors started coming forward and saying, you know, like even I believe, I don't remember the exact quote, but I believe it was Sarah Michelle Gellar made the comment like, you know, I, I'm grateful, something about like, you know, she, she's fine with always being associated with Buffy, but she doesn't necessarily always want to be associated with, with Joss Whedon. The unfortunate thing is they, they will always all go right? Yeah. And one of the, one of the things though is, and I, I try to make it, you know, anytime that something is brought up on the show, on the podcast, I mean, that this is supposed to be, and I think you both can, I would like to think you would agree, that this is supposed to be a celebration of the show, but doing these podcasts takes the form of a of an analytical sort of view, right? I mean, yes, it'd be great to just sit here and go, wasn't it great when this happened? Wasn't it great when this happened? Wasn't it great when this happened? Well, but Like you said, things have changed, so like, what, what happened then when the show was actually running? And what we know now is two completely different things. You already know with Clockshelves Entertainment, you get great times, global reactions, enticing aspects, tantalizing topics, and many entertaining scenarios. We talk the ever-expanding Marvel Cinematic Universe. We talk failed pilots and prep for new shows. And we talk some shows that are, you know, we're looking at in retrospect. We talk with friends from all various walks of life. Sometimes it's sports, sometimes it's sports entertainment, and sometimes it's just pure entertainment. We are all over the country and all over the globe. We're friends, we're family, we are Clock Shelves Entertainment. Right. So it's not like you, can, you can't just let it go and let it sunset. But for me, he created the show, but the actors are the ones who made the show. They made those parts. They, they created those characters for me. And I don't, right. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I just know that, like I said, specifically some of the things, uh, and again, especially the way that, the way that he acted, he being Joss Whedon acted personally and professionally and comments that he's made in the past, comparing himself to Xander. That's one of the only reasons that I sort of bring it up sometimes is because, and especially, and I've, I've said this before, um, I I don't think of it this way, but um, I know people that like this show that have compared me to Xander. And so I'm not going to lie, like there are some times where I, I look and I go, he doesn't, I don't dislike, I, I just want to say it for the record, I don't dislike the character as much as Lisa dislikes the character. But um, 
there are certain things where I'm like, what does it say about me if someone is comparing me to this character who isn't the best based off of a person who isn't the best? And I would, I think the way that people have compared me is, and I said it before there, and you two know it, so I won't necessarily go further into it so as to avoid some spoilers, but there is a time later on where he is, uh, Xander is mentioned as sort of being the heart of the group and keeping them grounded sort of in, in reality in a way. And, and he's, he's the human among them. And I've been told that's, how people see me in terms of like because like xander like oh buffy does he she's she's incredible for these reasons and giles is incredible for these reasons and willow is incredible for these reasons but what am i i'm just xander and he does i think we can all agree he definitely thinks of himself that way and there are times i'm not gonna lie where i definitely think of myself that way as well I see my friends and I, I see my friends and well, I'll say my friends and my family and, and loved ones and all those things. And I see them doing these amazing things, you know, starting businesses, getting degrees, do, becoming, you know, becoming things in the field that they want to do and that they want to be. And, you know, uh, especially at the age that I am now, um, you know, a lot of people have, well, actually around here, they have kids that are starting high school already, people that I graduated high school with. But you know what I mean? Like kids and, and marriages and, and buying houses and, you know, all these things. And I look and I go, and what am I doing? And I'm not saying that in like a, oh, woe is me sort of way. But I do. I do feel that way a lot of the time. Like, what am I doing? I just finally got my first car. You know, like what, uh, almost two years ago, like I just got, you know, whatever. But like, I have to also look at it. And again, it's maybe it's a, a selfish sort of thing or whatever. But I do look at it and I go, I'm not going to lie. I do have a lot of friends who are jealous that I've been to Hawaii twice. You know, I'm like, pat myself sure. on the back for that one. You know what I mean? Like, so, uh, you know, or or the fact that like, I, you know, I can. I, I and again I don't I don't necessarily think that there's one that's better than the other, but I know a lot of friends who are like, you can just pick up and go. They're like, I can't do that. I have, you know, all of these, you know, I, they have again spouses and kids and you know, the house and they have all these things. I could have I had the opportunity uh, a week or two ago as of this recording to uh go out and visit one of our friends a few states away to go to a comic con and meet some some wrestlers and people you know uh people in the entertainment industry that i've always wanted to meet i personally didn't go because i wanted to save some of my money for some other things but i could have i could have gone i could have hopped in the car to take the weekend off driven out there hung out with with my best friend and gone and and met these people I know a lot of people who can't necessarily do those things. I'm not saying that what I, my life is better than theirs or their life is better than mine, but I do look sometimes and I go, I wish that I had the things that they have, but then I also have to put it into perspective of sometimes they wish that they have the things that I have too. Right. Exactly. You know? And so, it's the old thing of um, you always want what you can't have or, you know, um, you always want what other people have and like the grass is greener on the other side. Right. right. Is, but there's always pros and cons to everyone's life, regardless of what responsibilities you have. 
because just because I have responsibilities of kids and you don't doesn't mean that you don't have responsibilities of your own. You and know? that's and that's that's what it takes. I'm I'm not gonna lie. And again, I, I I'm not to be too self centered on it, but that's I think that when someone has said about the sort of the Xander comparison, I think that's sort of what it is. Because like we see later on, not again, not to get too far. I know you two know, but for anybody who's kind of listening to this as like a first timer, we see that he does take on some pretty big responsibilities later on maybe not as big as buffy or you know any of the other characters admittedly but he does take on some he being xander does take on some pretty big responsibilities but he always sees himself always mostly sees himself as like they're great and i'm just me and there's a it's one of my favorite scenes of the entire series late uh later on much 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 later on that final season actually where he has a, a conversation with a character and he says you know i watch everyone i see all of the things and you know he i think he kind of comments on it himself like i'm i'm the one who is sort of grounded in reality and i'm not saying that amongst my friends because i'm not I'm definitely not. Um, but that's that's where I sort of look and go, okay, maybe maybe I'm not maybe I'm okay with sometimes being compared to him in the sense that I think it's great. And I'm not I'm not trying to downplay any of the other things that my friends have done and are doing. I, I see my friends who I have one friend, uh Lisa, you actually know her. She is uh, basically a traveling, I think she's based in Hawaii right now, but she's like a traveling photographer around the world. You know, I have, uh, again, other friends who are starting their own businesses or building their businesses and all of these things. And sometimes I look and I go, man, and I'm just, you know, still sitting in my room in my Nickelodeon pajama pants doing these podcasts and stuff. Just a reminder that if you are enjoying these episodes but don't necessarily want all of these interruptions and advertisement-type breaks, you can get the episodes early and uninterrupted over at Content Club. Uh, that is patreon.com slash clockshelves, uh, where you get, of course, early uninterrupted versions of MCU and Me, Paul and All, Lost with Friends, you get uh, some exclusive stuff. You get some uh, promotional material early before even the social medias get it. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, throw some dough if you choose to do so. Very affordable tiers for the great content that you love. It is a great way to pass the time. And it's a great way to keep the mics and lights on. But I'm grateful that you two are you know here taking the time out of your out of your evening as we're recording this to talk about this and i'm grateful for the people that listen to these episodes and you know all of those things so maybe i'm maybe in a in a certain way and, and lisa I, I i think you'll forgive me for comparing myself especially because you don't like the character i think i'm okay to a certain i don't know what are the reasons that she doesn't like them <laughs> so like i mean am i am i waiting for other episodes there no. so there's a moment in a future season I, I i don't know if it's the last one or maybe the second to last one and i don't remember the exact moment i will say that 
where I remember he said or did something towards Buffy. You say what he said or did, and I can tell you what season. <laughs> you can tell me what? Oh, what season? I don't remember. I don't remember the exact... I don't remember exactly what he said or what he did. I just remember having a visceral reaction of, like, bro, go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, just a very visceral, like, fuck you. Like... If I had to I don't guess... Remember, like, He's very loyal to Buffy and Willow. Yes, but there's something he does. Like I said, I don't remember exactly what it is or what he says, but there's something he does that I I, I have a guess. After everything Buffy has done for him, he does something that really fucking pissed me off, and I can't remember what it is. I just remember the visceral reaction. I have a guess, and once we once we once we finish the episode, I'll tell you both what I think it is. Um, But I definitely do have a guess as to what it is. Um, I can't remember, but also, there's also a couple moments in season one, I think, or season two, I think we spoke about it a little bit when I was on one of the episodes, how, you know, he basically commits himself to disliking Angel because he wants to sleep with Buffy, and Xander wants to sleep with Buffy, and it's just very just childish to me that he's like being kind of passive aggressive and rude to Buffy basically because she won't sleep with him. We actually see a moment of that here. Um, Cause I do have one or two final things that I want to say about this episode in particular. We actually do see that here in the very beginning, right? Where he says, how's angel pretend that I care, you know, right? I- because he's jealous that, you know, she won't sleep with him. Like that's right. really what it comes down to. And, and I dislike that a lot about Xander as well. Which I can I completely understand, but also I look at it as he's a teenage boy, you know, and not that right. I'm like, oh, you know, like that's okay, but it for those times in this show, it's like he's a teenage boy. That's how he's supposed to react, I guess. That's I I guess I be at. like thinking about my own experience as a as a teenage girl and how you know guys would treat me poorly or not or not be nice to me because I refused to sleep with them um kind of thinking back on my experience as a teenage girl it just really rubs me the wrong way because it's like just because I'm your friend doesn't mean I have I owe you anything in terms of my body or whatever it is and so that's kind of the backstory of like why I get so so much ick from that if that makes sense no and I and I I agree that makes sense and I totally understand there's it, there, there is no look at it that way. there is no right. uh uh you know i was a nice guy 10 times i got my stamps now you owe me you know whatever yeah. no. <laughs> right yeah that doesn't exist <laughs> right. right um very quickly going to that scene uh very towards at the very very beginning before buffy even gets home um xander uh mentions how the sort of vampires are quiet and then he basically chastises himself over that. And I believe, uh, if I if I remember correctly, that he says something very similar uh, in the episode School Hard, which is the third episode of the season, which is the debut of the character of Spike. So, um, and I think Buffy and Willow actually say something to him about it in that, that episode. Like, why would you even say something like that? And then Spike shows up. So I think it's kind of funny that here, obviously we didn't have as big of a character or as big of a a mythology story character arc in terms of that obviously we know how big of a character spike goes on to be 
Um, we didn't have yeah. something big like that happen here, but I think it's funny that he sort of references that again. Um, one of the things I absolutely loved, and it's I laugh every time I watch it in this, there's a, a similar thing in one of the early seasons of Friends where Chandler is talking about it. Willow brags about how much she loves her new nine gigabyte hard drive. <laughs> 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 I love that <laughs> for if you know friends for those of you who do Chandler does something very similar he's talking about his laptop and how it has you know x amount of megabytes of hard drive space and ram and all of these things and and I'm looking going yeah the device that I'm watching this on has more than that by like a thousand <laughs> right so I just like you know I said before uh Obviously, certain things we have to take uh, looking back 25 years later with with a grain of salt, because, again, it's, you know, <laughs> it's 25 years prior. Um, and then we do uh, I just you you mentioned uh, Buffy and, and Angel. Um, it's nice. To see them here, this is you know, uh, Angel is still recovering after uh, everything that he went through with uh, regards to uh, Drusilla and that uh, ritual that they tried performing in, in the previous two episodes. Um, and I thought it was nice. It's going to sound really weird and really cheesy, but it was nice to see them have as much as they can have a normal boyfriend-girlfriend moment. Right. Like they don't get to have that that often. And I thought it was really nice to to see that between them because she's telling him, hey, you know, I have this problem with this guy that my mom is dating. And he you know, we talked about it before. He says, well, is there anybody you would be OK with? And she's like, well, my dad and, you know, whatever. And she's you know, she's taking obviously he needs help. She's taking care of him, whatever. And then, you know, it's just they then they they kiss like boyfriends and girlfriends do. And I thought it was just it's a nice again, as as wholesome, I guess, as you can get and as normal as you can get between a vampire and a vampire slayer. It was nice to see them have a nice, almost human, no pun intended, moment between them. Yeah, I agree. I think I think it was a nice moment. I mean, uh, yeah, I thought it was a very nice moment. It, it was funny kind of how it transitioned to some things where he's like, let's talk about your divorced parents. And he's like, kiss me. And it's like, oh, OK. Right. <laughs> like, but honestly, though, very... like, I I feel like I mean, again, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of of experience with relationships, but I feel like that's sort of the thing. Right. Like when, you know you you quickly change the subject in some way somehow and you know obviously because theirs is still a new love it is i don't want to say it's that easy but it is it's that easy where you could just be like touchy subject forget that just kiss me you know sort of right. sort of deal right um as i always do i don't know if we have anything else i just want to very uh, say very briefly uh this episode was uh written actually by david greenwald and joss whedon um we've talked at length about joss whedon in this episode david greenwald i've talked about him in previous ones um he 
he used to work on the X-Files. He very quickly became sort of the uh, second in command of this show. He wrote the first season episode, Angel. He's written some high-profile episodes, um, and he later goes on to work on some stuff with regards to the character of Angel uh, later on as well. Um, and it was directed by Bruce Seth Green. Again, not to be confused with Seth Green, who also is in this season. We didn't see him in this episode, to my recollection. Um, but uh, he's directed some episodes so far uh, in this season. So, yes, this episode aired just very quickly because I'm looking at it. December 8th, 1997. So, again, not the Christmas episode, but considering I'm looking very quickly, the next episode didn't air until January 12th. Um, this is the the last episode to air in 1997, officially. Um I don't know if either of you had anything else that you wanted to talk about with regards to this episode. I kind of said it at the beginning. I I guess I had more to say, but it was some of it was kind of like rebuttal stuff and a little bit more personal about me and whatnot. But um I think and I, I think I texted this to to Lisa kind of earlier. This is a a, a more meh episode for me. And again, looking at it from a a point of view of we can still learn things from it 25 years later and all of that, especially in comparison to some of the other episodes we talked about reptile boy, I robot you Jane, like we can definitely see how this show in certain ways was ahead of its time. And in other ways, Willow's nine gig hard drive was very much of its time. Hey folks, for the last bit of this episode, we're actually going to present it to you completely uninterrupted. Of course, as mentioned previously, you could get this episode and all other episodes of Clock Shelves Entertainment Podcasts early and uninterrupted over at Content. This is the last uh, little interruption for this episode, uh, but again, you could have gotten it early and uninterrupted in full over at Content Club. That's patreon.com slash clockshelves. So I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. But... Overall, in the span of the, I think, 177 hours that are Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV, I would probably not rank this even in my top 20 of personal favorite episodes. I'm not necessarily saying, hey, rank this episode for the two of you, but I'm just saying on a personal note, it's it's not necessarily a even close to being a, a favorite of mine. Yeah, I mean, I would have to rewatch again, but it's not one that I would think off the top of my head, oh boy, this is one of my favorites. I think it has a lot of good discourse in it that, you know, we talked a lot about in the episode, but it wouldn't necessarily be something I'd have to rewatch. And I, I, I want to say, uh, you know, I, I think I've been pretty straightforward. Um, at least I try to be when I, when I talk and I kind of say, you know, Oh, I can't wait for the next one or, you know, what have you. And I I I obviously thought this episode would bring a lot of really good conversation, but you know, in comparison to the previous episode, uh the what's my line parts 1 and 2. And again, I sort of that because it was uh, you know, this arc that's sort of going on. We we've, we've seen it uh I would still say we're still in that arc, right? Because like we have the we had the Giles thing with the introduction of Ethan Rain, and then the the Dark Age episode, and now he uh, Giles and Jenny are sort of back on track now, 
and just sort of this whole thing with Angel. And there's certain things, obviously, it's one of the things I like about storytelling is that, you know, an episode, a B plot can later become the A plot, you know, a few episodes down the line and whatnot. But like I said, to me, just using the phrase, and I, I like the way that Manda kind of turns it around earlier, but to me, this is very much more of a monster of the week. And that's not to say the What's My Line episodes weren't, because like they had the order of Taraka and whatever, but I felt that that was more of a mythology episode only because we got Spike and Drusilla back. We got a little bit more about Angel and Drusilla's relationship. We got the the Kendra aspect of it, which very much played on sort of the end of season one sort of coming all the way back around again you know with Buffy dying and whatnot and I feel like this episode doesn't necessarily hit some of those notes but in terms of what Buffy goes through in this episode meaning you know the the feeling and I we talked about it before sort of what she's feeling with regards to um you know oh my goodness I potentially killed a human or again in that moment she thinks she does she did kill a human you know she killed a human and sort of how they all react to it even you know i'll, I'll say it I'll, I'll say it again for lisa xander coming right up to be at the forefront of that <laughs> um <laughs> but you know like all of those sorts of things i think those are the moments and the character moments uh, you know that that play up in future episodes but just putting this in comparison to some of the more some of the previous especially the previous one with some of the mythology stuff that's why for me this is like the when you go on a roller coaster you know you have the re the really highs and the really lows and then you have just a moment where it just sort of coasts along before we get to the highs and lows again this is to me sort of like a, a coast along sort of episode it's not good it's not bad but it's it's not a real high or a real low on that roller coaster for me. Um, did we have anything else that we wanted to talk about with regards to the episode, Ted? No, I think we covered everything. I think we covered everything. All right. Um, as we learned in the previous one, Manda, I know you're not super big on social media. Um, if you want to give out uh, anywhere that they can reach you, you can go ahead. Lisa, you're up after that. Yes. Uh, so my Twitter is Viva Deadly, and you can see me tweeting about uh, random things about my life and usually uh, superhero comic facts and things like that. Mandy, got anywhere? You did you set up your social medias yet? No, I just still have Facebook, but that's where you can find me. <laughs> um, and as always, uh, Twitter and Instagram, JPGRB. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for Clock Shelves. That's C L O C K S H E L V E S. Um, the next episode that we are going to discuss is the episode Bad Eggs. Um. I'm oh it's going to be an interesting discussion because I'm I'm more curious the reactions that people are going to have to the episode be it rewatchers like ourselves new watchers uh if if schedules coordinate and uh James Ryan uh, and or Bill are able to join um but I'm I'm very interested to see sort of the reaction and the discussions that we have about the episode bad eggs 
Uh, and that will be what's coming to you the next time here on Buffyverse and Converse. For Amanda and Lisa, I am Paul, and I hope that you all had a fantastic time. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.